This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Oh no, my camera's not working. Fuck me. Welcome to Two Girls, One Technical Difficulty. I swear one of these days I will get this shit right. I figured by now I'd have it down, but who knows? Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who really identifies with Isabella's personality. And I'm Vervada, the girl who had a hard time choosing which audio clips to play because they are all so good. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connection built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, this is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7, and for your support in everything that we all do. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and the character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. In today's episode, we are still in Kirkwall. We meet this character in the dark and seedy tavern of the Hanged Man in Lowtown, right as she's holding a knife to a man's throat. Today, we're analyzing the promiscuous pirate Isabella, queen of the Eastern Seas from Dragon Age 2. My, and here I thought the only men in this place were besotted fools who couldn't hoist the mainsail. Isabella was born as Naish in Ravain. Her mother, Madame Hari, was an infamous thief and con artist. And her absent father was described by her mother as, quote, large, hairy, and good with his hands. Madame Hari made a living posing as a seer, and when she got bored of that, she would just straight up steal coins or con them into buying fake-ass magical items like the Ravaini Fertility Talisman. She traveled all over Ravain and took young Isabella with her, and Isabella had a knack for dishonesty as well. Eventually, Madame Hari became a born-again follower of the Kune to try and give some meaning to her life. As we're all surprised, Isabella did not convert to the Kune. However, so Madame Hari sold her into a marriage with a business associate of the Antivan Crows named Louise, Mother of the Year, am I right? They were married three weeks later when Isabella was almost 19. Madame Hari did not know if Isabella would be taken care of or not, or what kind of man Luis really was. Luis was rich. He bought her lots of pretty things and even hired a tutor so she could learn to read and write. But there was no real love between them. 
He merely treated her as a plaything. Gross. It didn't take long for her to get bored and restless. Being kept in this gilded cage, she did not want anything to do with being a proper lady of the house. After a year, Isabella started deliberately antagonizing Luis, shocker, hoping that if she was too annoying, he'd simply let her leave. It was a good plan, but an even better plan was having an affair with none other than Dragon Age's legendary, sexy, bisexual assassin, Zevran Ariani. In between their wild, sexy times, um, Zevran also taught her knife combat skills. Nothing gets the blood pumping quite like knife play and forbidden trysts. Well, obviously, Luis didn't like this very much, and so he decided to get rid of her by lending her out to his business acquaintances. There must have been more between Zevran and Isabella because... A week later, Luis was found assassinated in his bed by none other than Zevran himself. So Isabella will tell different people different things about how all this went down. Did she order the assassination or was it a favor by a friend with Benny's? Antiven Crow's assassination reports aren't public record, so we will never know who, if anyone, actually ordered his death. Isabella did tell Zevran where Luis's room was and gave him a key to the door. So we'll let you decide for yourself about what happened. That very same night, Isabella left the house with nothing but the two daggers Zevran gave her and a sack full of jewelry she used to help commandeer her late husband's ship, the Siren's Call. And that is how Isabella the Pirate was born. Now, after she became a pirate, she proclaimed herself the Queen of the Eastern Seas. And she also became extremely promiscuous. Wardens can actually meet Isabella in Dragon Age Origins in the Pearl Brothel. And they can even have a quickie with her, maybe even a threesome. Or maybe even a foursome if you hit just the right requirements. She will train you in her daggery ways. That's the extent of her story in Dragon Age Origins, but in Dragon Age 2, she is a renowned and feared pirate, scourge of four nations. But her ship is destroyed, so she's now stuck in Kirkwall, but... Our lovely Isabella doesn't let herself get very bored. Isabella gets around Kirkwall, if you know what I mean. Hawk can first meet Isabella inside the Hanged Man in Lowtown, brawling with some gross boys. Her, her establishing character moment is similar to the one in Dragon Age Origins, so apparently she gets into a fair number of bar brawls. The first thing she'll ask of you is to help her out in a duel, because, of course, nothing is ever peaceful around this pirate. She'll tell you that she's been working as a smuggler since being marooned in Kirkwall, transporting lyrium, jewels, and criminals. She got in trouble with Castleon, an Antivan mer merchant, after she liberated some 200 Blight refugees he hired her to transport to become slaves. Castellan ordered her to retrieve some valuable relic to pay him back for the cost of the slaves. 
and she found it. But it was lost in the sea when her ship was wrecked on the reefs outside Kirkwall. That relic turns out to be the tome of Coslin. It is very important to the Cunari, who were shipwrecked in Kirkwall too. They were both caught in the same storm because the Cunari were chasing after Isabella. Isabella's been trying to find it, find it to get back to Castellan's good graces ever since. I've been following a lead. I'm so close I can taste it. Isn't that what you said last time? Oh, you mean when I went digging for that stash? Yes, that turned out to contain several badly written poems and an old boot. It could have contained the relic. I just thought I'd let you know that I may soon be taking you up on that offer of help. Do I get a kiss from the feisty temptress when I present her with the hard-won prize? If you want. I'll even let you choose where I plant it. (laughs) Classic Isabella. Now, she doesn't have much action in Act 1, but she is the reason for the main act of Act 2. The important thing to remember is that you need to find her in The Hanged Man after doing Anders' quest Tranquility but before going into the deep roads. Otherwise, you'll miss Isabella. At the start of Act 2, the Canari have taken the city hostage, looking for something important. And wouldn't you know, Isabella knows all about this something important. We'll get to that later. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, we first have to talk about sexy time. If you've gotten her friendship or rivalry up to at least 50 points, you'll get a cutscene trigger in The Hangman where Meryl and Isabella are playing cards together. This is a cute scene, almost as cute as the friendship these two share. It is a necessary step towards cementing the romance between Hawk and Isabella as well. After this, the next time you enter your estate at night, it will trigger the romance collimation scene and all DA2 sex scenes occur in Act 2. Isabella's is exceptionally spicy. So, this is where you live. Not bad. I preferred the old place. It had uh, more charm. You're talking about the shack I shared with my mother, uncle, and sister. I meant Lowtown. Dirty, chaotic, glorious Lowtown. The smell of tar and the sea and the sound of some whore plying her trade in a back alley. Don't you miss that? You can get your thrills in Hightown if you know where to look. Oh. And where would that be? I can show you what I have in mind. I'm to play Hide the Dagger with Izzy. This scene is hot. It leads directly from that flirty invitation to Hawk carrying Isabella into the big bedroom. As they are making their way to the bed, Izzy is removing all of their weaponry while vigorously kissing Hawk like they are the only thing keeping air in her lungs. And when she's finally pinned Hawk to the bed, she finds one more dagger that just must have been poking out somewhere. There are hands everywhere, and I love it. In the morning after, she lets Hawk know this was a one-time deal. She does not want to bring all of those pesky little emotions into this equation. She says this iconic Bioware line. I should go. 
I wouldn't want to take advantage of your hospitality. I like it when you take advantage of my hospitality. It was fun, wasn't it? Well, you know, if you ever want to do it again... Wait. You're not thinking of bringing feelings into this, are you? What about love? Love's not for everyone. It's not for me. It's just... messy. It's not always up to you. Love can be pretty persistent. I don't care. It can go pester someone else. She may not want to bring feelings into this, but we certainly do. Let's take a quick mid-break to talk about how much we love the patrons, share some fun facts, and hear ads because capitalism. The girls gotta make that money. So, fun facts. Official reports from various countries report that Isabella spent a total of seven months and 21 days in numerous jails in port cities around Thetis over the course of 10 years. You can meet King Alistair in the Viscount's Keep. If you have Isabella in your party, he'll mention that she looks different, to which Isabella responds with, don't we all? This seems to be an in-game joke about the many character design changes between the first and second games. Well, okay, so <laughs> this is uh, a fun joke that we kind of just came up with. Um, we thought that it would be a fun Halloween prank to swap shows for the evening. And so I'm obviously playing Genesis. Teacup is obviously playing Bravada. Um, and so we just thought this would be a fun little Halloween, happy Halloween um, event. So obviously, obviously, we're probably going to do the same thing over on our show in um, not a couple weeks, but a little bit closer to Halloween. So definitely stay tuned for the two girls episode of the Dragon Age Lorecast. Um, and if you don't know us, I guess I should have led with that. If you don't know us, I'm SheCup. And we do the Dragon Age lore cast. We also do the Assassin's Creed lore cast. And um, we also just started the Inheritance Cycle page by page, which is a podcast looking at uh, or reading through the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books. So those are our shows. We're in Robots Radio. We have a Discord server. We're in all the places, too. All right. Well, let's get back into Isabella. Ravani, stop looking at my chest. My eyes are up here. But the chest hair... Do you know how much I suffer under your gaze? I am a person, not an object. Uh, Varric? <laughs> Just shitting you. Varric and Izzy have the best banter. Isabella's companion quest to catch a thief is to help her get the Canary Tome back. It was stolen from her allegedly, but can something that was already stolen really be stolen from the thief, though? Regardless, it was stolen by someone named Wall-Eyed Sam, who is now holed up in the Dark Foundry. When Hawk and friends get there, Isabella immediately runs off to find Sam by herself because, well, she forgets that teamwork makes the dream work. Or, potentially, it turns out she acted like a thief and ran ahead to steal the tone back to go off to do pirate stuff, which she tells you in a letter that she leaves on Sam's body. At least she left a note, I guess? If you haven't romanced her or aren't high enough in friendship or rivalry, she will never return to help you out 
with the Kinari in the end of Act 2. If she returns with the Tome, you can either hand her over to the Arashok or duel him for her life. So yeah, we're dueling for love. The only companion quest with Isabella in Act 3 is called No Rest for the Wicked. And it's to finally, finally get Castillon to stop hunting her and to steal his ship. Obviously, we're going to get our girl a ship. She needs a place to live, after all, seeing as how she never moves in with Hawk. We've mentioned she has commitment issues, right? And for good reason. When has anyone who supposedly loved Isabella kept her around? Her own mother sold her. Isabella definitely has replaced the intimacy of a deep friendship and romance with casual sex and intense flirtatious behavior. But that isn't to say that it doesn't change throughout Dragon Age 2. I'll let you run your fingers through it if you want. Your chest hair. My fingers. Oh, Varric, stop. You're making me quiver. You know you want to. Oh, I do. I can't resist you. No woman can. I know. It's a terrible burden. Isabella is notably the only true bi romance option in DA2. While all four romance options, we're not going to talk about Sebastian, are player sexual, so either female or male hawk can romance them. Isabella is the only one who enthusiastically and consistently proclaims her attraction to men and women. She seems to prefer women, actually, as she has a general distrust and dislike of most men. Sure, she'll use them for their bodies, but she doesn't have friendships with them the way she does women. Eric is a notable exception because while he'll match her every witty and flirty remark, he has no motive behind it. He is not out to sleep with Isabella, so he is a safe friend. I definitely agree that she prefers women, given at one point in the game, she'll even say, you see, sweetness, men are only good for one thing. Women are good for six. Isabella is also a great example of a woman who supports other women, even women who would seemingly not get along with or who are complete opposites to her. Take Abilene, for example. Abilene is sexually conservative and is shy about discussing sex and relationships in general. She is buttoned up and covered up, unlike Izzy's very revealing attitude. And she's also the lawful good to Isabella's chaotic neutral turning good-ish. Listen to this early interaction between Isabella and Abilene. How are you so successful with men? You're not that pretty. Cast a wide enough net and you're bound to catch something. <laughs> At least you're willing to admit it. Trust me. I've heard get away from me, you pirate hag, more times than I care to count. Doesn't that bother you? Why should it? They don't know me. I know me. Isabella plants a very important seed right here. One of self-worth and not letting other people determine your value. That's a very good lesson for anyone to learn, but especially young women. Aveline and Isabella will continue this conversation later in the game, and it is a wonderful moment of growth for Aveline. You're right. About... About knowing who you are. I'm the captain of the guard, I'm loyal, strong, and I don't look too bad naked. Exactly. 
And if I called you a mannish, awkward, ball-crushing do-gooder, you'd say... Shut up, whore. That's my girl. Everyone needs a hype friend like Isabella. This also translates to the player if you're playing as a female hawk. One of the first things she says to you upon meeting her is, you're nothing but tits and ass to the men in this place. They won't hesitate to grab at both. Isabella is protective over women because she herself knows what kinds of things happen to vulnerable women. It is a refreshing portrayal of women in the entertainment media. Often women are pitted against one another, but not here. Isabella has remade herself into someone that needs no one. But this has come at the cost of her own conscience. At one point in the Dragon Age comics, she dumps an entire ship full of kidnapped elves in order to lighten the boat enough to escape the Orlesian Navy. She's definitely done bad things, even maybe irredeemable things. She's always sacrificed others to save herself. Hawk can influence Isabella to learn to be more altruistic, which is really demonstrated when she ultimately returns the tome of Coslin to the Kunari at the end of Act 2, much to her own amazement. We really aren't here to judge Isabella for what she's done. Her actions have always been placed in the context of having to protect herself because no one ever, no one else ever had. Hawk can provide the safety of no judgment and no fear so she can finally behave empathetically. This is something that DA overall does really well. It places women into all kinds of roles. They aren't just regulated to over-sexualize badass with no emotional depth or nurturing quiet mother figures with no agency. Women can be allies or antagonists, moral or corrupt, sexual or reserved, and any combination. Sure, Isabella is sexualized, but it's not as simple as hot lady made for boy players. It's similar to Miranda in Mass Effect 2. And as a romance, Isabella is very chill. She doesn't demand any massive emotional investment, and there really isn't a big sad moment or a dramatic scene like there are with some of the other romances. Meryl has to go against her people's beliefs. Fenris may have to go against his own if you're a mage, but he also just has a shit ton of emotional baggage in general. And Anders, well... Anders is a lot. Sexy, but a lot to cope with, just overall. Isabella, on the other hand, Isabella's just fun. She's the first to admit that she loves adventure, and she doesn't want to be tied down, even if she does later admit that she's falling in love with you. It's just pure enjoyment for her, especially when it comes to the sex scene. Yeah, she has the feel of a summer fling. She's fun, she's fireworks, but she's not forever. She knows it, and she's hoping Hawk knows it too. Even with her admitted she is falling for Hawk, she left the last person she loved too. Unless she's overcome that particular barrier to her vulnerability and heart, she will probably repeat the pattern. It's the song Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift. Say you'll see me again, even if it's just pretend. Isabella is fine to keep her casual sex ways if you do not romance her too. Her and Fenris will have a no-strings-attached sexual relationship if both of them are unromanced. This love can help heal her a little bit by weakening the walls around her. But honestly, she's just fine without you. 
That's pretty refreshing too, considering how video game romances usually go. I totally love the shameless Taylor Swift plug on the day after the day of her newest album release. I won't get too far into the Taylor Swift rabbit hole, but if you want to, you can always DM me afterwards, anyone who's listening. But (laughs) I do agree with the quote that Say You'll See Me Again, even if it's just pretend, very much personifies Isabella. And I think for me, um, Isabella was my very first romance when I played Dragon Age 2 for the first time. So she always has a little piece in my heart um, because of that. But once I started reading the comics, I, I did have more issues with her, especially uh, with some of her actions as the, the Queen of the Eastern Seas, um, especially her actions regarding the elves when she basically, you know, has engaged in uh, slave trading, right? Um, so for me, I understand that that's something she felt she had to do, but it also is icky to me that it's, that's her, that's what she's done, right? That's her past. But then also if she doesn't romance Hawk, and if Fenris doesn't romance Hawk, then they end up having a little fling. To me, that feels gross. Um, so that's my main issue. If I have one at all with Isabella's characterization in Dragon Age 2. I definitely see that. So I will quote Colkashins, uh, who is a Dragon Age patron, who once said that Isabella is the only healthy romance option in all of Dragon Age 2. And I tend to agree with that. Isabella is upfront about who she is, what she wants, what she expects. Uh, she is not afraid to tell you the truth and say, like, yeah, I'm using you for a fling and that's okay. And she's not afraid to, like, be honest about her sexual kind of exploits in that. There's a... I love Dragon Age 2 for this because the people who are, like, catty about romance are Fenris and Anders. They're the ones who have the companion dialogue where they just, like, bitch about, I want to sleep with Hawk, I want to sleep with Hawk. The best thing is that if Isabella is present, she'll be like, boys, what's the big deal? I slept with Hawk too. <laughs> Which I just love that. And that I love that Isabella doesn't take herself too seriously. When Dragon Age Origins, you have Zevran that I, I would say like he's close to that kind of like not taking himself too seriously in the romance. But he's much more of a romantic than Isabella is. And mm-hmm. I just really enjoy the, the dynamic of her romance and i almost always sleep with her if i get the option even if i don't plan on romancing her later on um yeah that's relatable i also i know that a lot of people who well maybe not a lot but i've seen this in the fandom before this criticism of isabella that she um folks were upset that she leaves you right like with the tome in act two and i feel like that is maybe an unfair criticism of Isabella's romance and even just Isabella's story in general, because at least in the romance, she tells you up front, I don't want a relationship. I don't want, I don't want to be in love. I don't believe in love. I want to fling. I want to be friends with benefits. That's what she wants. And so, you know, it can change over time because as we know, Dragon Age 2 occurs over the course of several years. But Isabella is upfront with you about that. It's not her fault that you forgot that fact. 
Um, so I feel like that criticism of her is, is one of the biggest criticisms out there. And I feel like it's, it's really an unfounded criticism, to be frank. I agree. Also, she's just funny. And that's fun. That's well, true. Another thing that I love about her is her friendship with Meryl. Um, I, I have said this, I think, in our podcast before about how I feel like Meryl just wants, she just needs a friend. She just needs someone to, like, unconditionally care about her. And if Hawk is not that person, I think Isabella is that person. I absolutely love their friendship. And um, I just think it's really wholesome and very sweet that she almost takes a mothering figure almost to Meryl, um, which... I appreciate because so often I think with sexualized characters like Isabella, we have a tendency to see them as unable to be mother figures too, but that's not reality. Um, And so I love that Isabella is portrayed in that way. It's also, you know, we love Varric for his nicknames, but Isabella does it too. Like she often refers to Meryl as kitten and refers to Bethany as sweetness. That sweetness mm-hmm. quote you got over, that's to Bethany, um, which is a hilarious dialogue if you get where she's like, women are good for six, and uh, Bethany goes six, and then you hear Hawk just go, no comment. I think that Anders, or one of the boys, also has a comment back, like, is that real? Like, really? <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. But you're right, Isabella definitely does have the best, like, ambient dialogue lines like there's one where she says i like big boats and i cannot lie like that straight up makes me laugh every time um i feel like isabella is dragon age 2's version of cole not necessarily that they're like the same archetype of a character but that isabella and cole are both the vehicle almost that the devs put in like silly lines or easter egg references and stuff like that like cole has several several lines about other bioware projects like um about kotor and stuff like that and and just funny references to pop culture and i feel like isabella is the one that does that as well in dragon age 2 i mean you just need five minutes on dragon age twitter and you will realize that isabella's comments towards Varric or how the dragon age fandom feels about Varric. oh 100 100 um yeah i we all want to romance Varric, but Unfortunately, that's not quite possible. (laughs) Do you have other thoughts about Isabella? Well, yeah, I have one more thing. At one point in this podcast, when we talked about Morgan, we talked about that Morgan's story is better if she's friends with the Warden as opposed to romancing the Warden. I think that Isabella is the opposite, is better with the romance as opposed to just friends with Hawk. Yes, 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 a million times yes. I completely agree with that. You can talk about this in friendship, but earlier in the podcast, we talked about how Isabella's never had someone who really just truly cared for her. Um, you can argue that Zevran does, but he's he's there and gone very quickly, I feel like, in her life. And so I feel like if you have a Hawk romance with Isabella, Hawk is really the first relationship that she's ever had that she experiences unconditional love. And I personally am a person that believes that everyone should experience unconditional love in their lives, regardless of whether that's in a relationship or not. But for Isabella, this is Hawk is the first time that she gets to experience that. 
And I, I feel like that's very sad um, as well. But I agree with you that the romance is the best. A romance, Isabella, is the best version of who she can be. Well, that was my last thought, at least about mm-hmm. the romance. If you want more, come listen to our Isabella episode when we get to it. Which will be in a year or two. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if we've scheduled that episode yet. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk about is the sexualization a little bit. I feel like in the games, it's like she's not being sexualized. She's wearing a sexual outfit, but she herself is like she's choosing to wear that. That's how she wants to be perceived. But in the comics... Um, I feel like the comics tell a little bit of a different story. Like her, her clothing in the comics uh, defy the laws of physics, for one. And so I feel like there is some distinctions between the game and the comics with the depiction of Isabella. Um, and I feel like that's important to, to talk about. Just because I, I, I just feel like that changes like a, the character a little bit. So... Um, to me, that is frustrating. I don't think it diminishes her character at all because she she actually, I think, arguably redeems herself a little bit more in the comics. But uh, the sexualization of uh, her outfits, at least. So, Austin, you have any more thoughts? I have no thoughts. Mm, brain empty, no thoughts. Yes. Not a thought between those eyes. <laughs> Well, if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or give the two girls a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can now find Genesis or me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel with co-host Toasty. And of course, of course, in the two girls, one ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord and also Follow the two girls on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls one ship. And of course, all of those links are in the description. Uh, you can find Vervada or me or actual me and Chica on the Robots Radio Discord as well. And on you can actually find us all and this one too on the two girls one ship Discord server where we all nerd out about our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out their live streams on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And watch the YouTube video a few days after the stream. Our podcast episodes released on Monday because you need at least one good thing on Monday. And you can... So true. Yeah. And you can find our podcast, the Dragon Age Lorecast, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, the Inheritance Page by Page podcast... You can find all those everywhere you find podcasts. They're on the Robots Radio Network. We also have our own Discord server, uh, Ups Podcasting, and more. You can actually find all of us on there, too. We're just on all the Discord servers, and so that's just fun. But you can find us there, too, and that's a lot of fun. And we had a lot of fun doing this kind of podcast takeover for Spooktober. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun, too. And um, also, I just wanted to say the Discord servers that we're all in is infinite. Like, the limit just does not exist. So, yeah, come hang out wherever you have Discord. If you don't have Discord, you really, really are missing out on some fun conversations, pet pics, uh, romance, 
discussions, lore, deep dives, and just general nerdery stuff. So, yeah, you should definitely come join Discord. But anyway, thanks for listening, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bunny? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.